In a week where Arsenal turn to the daughter of a beetle, we bring to you three son of a bitches. Welcome back, gentlemen. So, Alex, tell me what you're wearing today. As an allusion to something we'll talk about later, a new set of kits, I'm wearing the 93-94 Dortmund shirt. Uh, it's been remade a couple of times. It's effectively Dortmund's bruised banana. It's been picked up with a lot of merchandise by the club. So you'll spot the colour a mile off the typical vault yellow of the 90s. And Tom, I'm not sure I've seen you take that shirt off yet since it arrived, but please, for our listeners, tell, tell them what you're wearing. I haven't taken it off. It used to be white. It's it's actually turning the accrue slightly dingy colour of a shirt we'll talk about a bit later. Um, but this is the Bari 94-95 shirt. I've got my cock out for you. And this is how Bari shirts should be done, I think. Beautiful, yeah. Iconic template and a, a really beautiful shirt, that Tom. Very nice. Not jealous at all. And today, gents, I'm wearing Monza's Home 2021 shirt. Lovely Lotto shirt. Going back to the old jacquard effect that they used to do through through their kits in the 90s. So in this week's news, Daniel Levy launches his latest scheme to pay for the new stadium. CFS release a trio of 90s inspired shirts. Bari pull off a masterstroke with their latest cock release. <laughs> so Tom, what's going on at Spurs? Well, as you said, they have to pay for that brand spanking new cheese room, don't they? They have to do it somehow. <laughs> and Daniel Levy's done that, which is actually a very admirable step, I think. It's is that on their club website, they had a whole brand spanking new section of match-worn shirts, which are not a lot of clubs at their level, especially in this country, do. At the time of this going to record they have all sold out but they did have quite a few match worn shirts from this season on there you could get a uh, matt doherty they had one of his shirts for 300 pounds which is quite eye-watering but for two matt doherty's you could have got a christian romero which was 600 pounds but like i said they've all gone now anyway but yeah i thought it was good to see an english premier league team offer those on their club website is it cash up front or can you do the usual spurs option now take the shirt and pay in 18 months time after 50 appearances, you know, yeah. it's all up front, I think. It's a bit surprising that, that clubs haven't cottoned on to this sooner, have they? Think about the prices we're looking at, 300, 600 quid, 11 shirts, you know, it's good sort of, what, 10 grand or something you can make off a full suspension. I only caught this wind of this via a tweet that someone put out, so I didn't see the full selection. So I don't know if there was like a Harry Kane on there or, I don't know, a, a, a Kulilevsky after he's ruined my Juventus shirt by going to North London. But th- those were the ones that I saw, Christian Romero and I'm going to say Matt Doherty, and I'm sure that's wrong. And then I think there was a Ben Davis shirt, which was also £300. So maybe not the stellar cast, but still, nice to see. I think there are a few there, and it's a good touch as well, isn't it? It's something that's done on the continent a bit more. I know recently Hellas Verona have done it, Fiorentina have done it, Venezia did it a lot last year. So it's a good idea. Yeah, I think so. It rules out the possibility of you getting a, a dodgy one, doesn't it? Don't need much more provenance than it coming direct from the sh- from the club. So, you reckon there's some dressing room banter around it as well? I'm worth two of you. <laughs> I mean, I'd definitely milk that. I think if it was me, get that with transfer fees anyway, don't they? Well, you were trying to milk bananas last week, so I'm sure you'll. Uh... <laughs> I'm a dairy man. What can I say? Dairy man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Alex, '90s CFS mashups. What's going on? 
Yeah, so this is a Born in the 90s collection that CFS have released. Uh, Cassidy Sidnetsky, we know from Forward Madison, we covered previously in the pod. She was the designer for these, so it's a collection together with EA Sports. And they were initially planned to be released as part of the FIFA game, along with a series of 20 classic kits from mainly sort of the 80s, 90s. But there are now physical kits that are available on the CFS website. So I spoke to Cassidy to get a bit of a background to kind of the kit design. So it's a real pleasure to welcome Cassie Sidnetsky. We've already discussed her work with Forward Madison and designing the drip kits previously, but we're talking to Cassie today about her work designing the Born in the 90s collection, and we'll be running a giveaway of some of the kits that CFS have kindly given us next week. Cassie, we know a little bit about your designs, particularly work with Forward Madison. Can you explain to us maybe a bit how you got into sports design? Were you a football player, a supporter? How did it come about? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So my background actually isn't in uh, you know, being in America, soccer. Um, so it's not actually in soccer. Um, I grew up watching American football. I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so the Packers and sports have always been a huge part of my life. And that community driven feel and that uh, passion for sports uh, has always driven kind of my desire to design in sports. I actually worked for a baseball team uh, that was the ownership group before Forward Madison started. And so I was working on the baseball side of operations um, when Forward kind of got added to the mix. And I like to joke around that at the time I was the only person on staff that could open Photoshop. And so it kind of fell into uh, my lap a little bit. And once we realized kind of what we could do with these kids for forward specifically, um, it became a much bigger part of my job and kind of our our goals as a club. From there, it was kind of like this accidental stumbling into this amazing community and this incredible uh, opportunity to design kits. And then um, I've just been really diving in to as much as I can from there and uh, getting involved in, in as many projects as I could outside of forward after I left in September. So, yeah. So but that's quite a big jump, isn't it? They say from being sort of soccer naive, there's obviously like a lot of culture around it. How did you kind of realise what you should be doing? And were there any faux pas that you got involved in? Or how, how did you in, sort of integrate yourself into the culture? Yeah, I was very lucky to have a lot of amazing soccer minded people around me um, who were ever so happy to guide me in the right direction when maybe it was going a little off the rails. Uh, But I think something fun about our club in Madison specifically was that we wanted to be a little bit different. Um, We knew a little bit of the boundaries and how do we push those? And so it was never as much of like a going so far as to break something, but it's like, how do we bend the kind of traditional mindset on what a kit should be? How do we have fun with it? How do we make it specifically tied to our community and our fans and how do we really build something that the people who are supporting us are going to enjoy, whether that is traditional or not. And so it was fun to play with those boundaries, play with those rules and have a good time with it and really just see where those took us. And I think I continue to kind of use both the naivety of (laughs) not knowing everything about football kits and the background and the history um, and relying on really good people to kind of guide how 
toy design. Um, so it's a little bit of both. It's okay. Well, I don't feel bad when I break some of the rules and sometimes it's a good thing because I think some of these things can be broken. And then when I break them too far, there are many people around me to be like, whoa, 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 <laughs> reel that back in and we get back on track. Yeah, I think it's sort of the parallels. So a big Drake Ramberg fan, obviously another American who's kind of dumped into soccer culture without any kind of real background before. And again, that kind of idea of really the rules got upset. He had these quite staid designs before. And then for our listeners, I'm wearing the 93-94 Dortmund shirt, which was one of the inspirations for Cassie's CFS designs. And again, these sort of like really crazy designs because you don't have those hang-ups of being involved in the culture and having to be ruled by it. So what, what kind of aspect of soccer, football culture have you sort of grown to like? The people that are in this community are just incredibly special. Um, there's a huge amount of passion and I think um, knowledge about the game and about the culture that it's very welcoming. It's also very uh, polarizing at times. Sometimes the, the culture is a little bit gatekeepy and um, it takes a little bit to kind of power through that, but that's a good thing. I think um, in a lot of ways that's uh, upheld traditions that are really important. It's upheld standards for clubs that are really important. Um, and I think it's just striking that balance about tradition versus progressiveness. And I think the culture and the people that I've gotten to interact with has been a really great transition into the sport. And there are a lot of parallels between American football and the club that I or the team that I cheer for um, and kind of the teams that I've gotten to interact with on the soccer side. Uh, you know, the Packers are community owned. It's not as like in depth as some of the other teams that are doing community ownership, but that feeling of, okay, this is my team. I'm going to show up and show out. I'm going to wear green and gold every, every chance I can get. Um, that's very real. And that's been even more so expanded upon in the soccer culture. And so I think the pieces that I love from growing up in that environment are even tenfold in, in the soccer community. And so I, I just love that energy and that passion that I brought to every game day and even non-game day. So they're very much an outlier, aren't they? Again, as somebody who has very little knowledge of American football, the Packers are not a kind of typical franchise, are they? They That yeah, kind of fan culture and ownership and so on is very different. Yeah, I think people are surprised when they show up to Green Bay and it's just a small kind of community and they're in the middle of it is this giant NFL team. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a special place. And I love that that feeling can be found in some of these smaller soccer communities as well even the big ones so yeah I think very much sort of these leagues below MLS there's a lot of places that have been kind of punching above their weight like uh, Vernon Green obviously San Diego Loyal got the Charlie contract recently and they're the first kind of Charlie North American club and a lot of smaller clubs in terms of their success on the pitch and their budget are making a really big inroad in terms of kick culture yeah I think it kind of goes hand in hand um I can't speak to too much to the landscape of U.S. soccer, and I, I don't want to pretend like I know um, kind of the ins and outs and the things on the technical side of the sport. But seeing the the progression, and even just in my very slim amount of research, you know, the MLS kits back in the '90s and that culture of American soccer, like it is different, right? Like, and they wanted to be different, and then the the subversion into more plain and traditional and then the lower leagues kind of picking up the torch to define themselves as this, okay, we're a little bit different. We're a little bit out there. We're going to own it. 
I think is really kind of interesting as as fans see the divergence of MLS kits compared to lower league kits and kind of the buy-in from the people when the kits do reflect their local communities. And I think that's so important. I think it's good to own that piece if you can. And I think lower leagues are doing that really well. Yeah, absolutely. Having those nice city or franchise specific features is really, yeah, something fans can tag into. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making... Obviously, you had that success. You kind of blew up, really, your hometown club. And then you get the call from CFS. So how did that all kind of come together? Yeah, uh, we actually launched a kit right before I left at the Classic Football Shirts storefront in London. So it was their first week of operating that storefront. It was brand new. It was stunning. Um, and me and my coworker at the time, Evan, flew out to host a small event for kit collectors for the friends with benefits top that we did the one with the QR code where you could like buy a beer for someone at breeze. Um, and so just getting to be out there and meet with classic football shirt staff, um, their, their store staff, their store management, incredible people. Um, they were super helpful. And so they knew me from those kit designs. They knew me from being out there. And so I think it was just a really timely thing that Matt reached out and was like, Hey, like we have this project coming up. Like we'd love your assistance on it and it worked out really really well so and I'm glad he dm'd me on twitter and I'm glad we're here today so thankful for the opportunity that they they gave me so okay I don't want to be a traitor to my generation and all but I don't get how guys dress today I mean come on it looks like they just fell out of bed and put on some baggy pants and take their greasy hair ooh, and cover it up with a backwards cap and like we're expected to swoon I don't think so and when they gave you the brief I mean how specific was it how much kind of room was there to play with it Matt is an incredible visionary. I will say that. Um, I think you kind of alluded to it earlier that he clearly knows an unbelievable amount about shirts and um, has a passion for it. And so when he came to me, he had a great brief. He had a comprehensive vision for how he wanted all these to look. And then it was me kind of hopping in and helping them kind of come to life. So he had pretty good insight into how he wanted them to all look. And I got to riff a little bit and we worked to finalize the project. And I would say the collaboration between us two was actually really seamless. Um, you know, he would come up with an idea and I would go, oh, but what if we did this? And he goes, that's great. What if we did this? And our slacks back and forth are just like idea, inspiration, testing, reiteration. And so it was a great collaborative methodology and coming into kind of his vision of it and helping him bring those to life was really incredible. Yeah, because I think Doug's very much seen as like the public face in terms of the interest in shirts. But we've got an interview coming up with CFS. And again, you sort of see Matt's passion come through for shirts in that. So how sort of fully formed was it then? Did did sort of Matt have the idea to sort of have the 93-94 shirt or kind of what, what kind of influences did you bring in and what parts were already proposed? He had mood boards kind of set up. So he had a really good kind of layout. And I thought he was kind of nuts at first. Like, I want it to be windows themed. I want it to be, what if we did this? 
this and what if we did that? And, um, but as I kind of took a 10 foot view of these mood boards, what I kind of got to do was how do we make it all make sense in a shirt? So he would have a picture of a computer and then a kit that he liked. And it's like, okay, well, we can't just blend those together super seamlessly. So it was very much so taking these um, mood boards that he had and making it seamlessly tie into each other. And so that's where I got to step in. So he had a pretty built out mood board system for these kids. Like he knew I want the goalkeeper to, to be this mood and this tone and I want home to be windows 95 inspired. And so it was very um, dialed in on that aspect. And then it was me connecting the dots. It's also originally, we didn't know if we were going to produce these. So um, seeing them come to life drove a lot of the detail work that we ended up putting in once we realized we were going to go that direction. I know this maybe is like picking between your children, but uh, which is your favorite, which you really pleased with? It's hard because they're probably, I think I have two different answers because in the game, I actually love the Windows one. I didn't think I would like that one as much as I did, but in the game, it's really striking. Um, And I think outside of the game, like the one I would definitely wear is the Away, the, the kind of grunge theme plaid. Away kit is definitely something I could see myself wearing. Uh, and even in the game, I wanted the socks really bad. I was like, can we make the plaid socks? But I, th- I think those got scrapped. Um, but the goalkeeper one the is absolutely incredible to see just the color schemes everywhere. And I think that's what I like about it is the bright colors. But it is a little out there for, for what I would wear. Yeah, I think it turned out beautiful in the game as well. So it is hard to pick. I think I, I was shocked with how much I like the Windows one in the game. And I'm, I definitely would wear the, the What Never Mind kit. So having had a couple of really successful soccer-based collaborations, are there any other projects in the pipeline? Yes, I've actually been doing a project with a women's team based out of the Twin Cities uh, called Minnesota Aurora. So they start in May is their inaugural season, and they brought me on to do their jerseys. Um, So those are coming out in like two weeks. So kind of one after the other, two big projects that I've gotten the pleasure to be a part of. And yeah, I'm really excited to see, see those come out. I truly enjoy designing kits I think it's just such a special privilege to be able to take something as sacred as a jersey and make it fun and bring it to people who just truly care about this club and like or whatever club um that's a it's a gift to get to work on these things it's been great to cover two of your kind of big areas work and we look forward to seeing what you do with Aurora and what comes out in the next couple of weeks so great to meet you Cassie and good luck with the next projects Yes, thank you so much for having me on. So, well, guys, what do you think? I'm always a little bit hesitant with these shirts that aren't worn by teams and players in, in real life games. But in terms of their design, I do think they're really innovative and they, they look good. 
it's just a shame that they're not attached to an actual club and, and you know, used on the pitch. But my favourite of the three is the kind of Fresh Prince Campos style shirt. I think that one's definitely the nicest on the eye. And I mean, this is a story all about how these <laughs> shirts will get flipped, turned upside down. So I'd like to take a minute, if you'll just sit right there, to say someone will flog these for an extra fiver on Twitter. As if. Well... I've been assured that the stock is much better than there was for the Christmas jumpers, so hopefully we won't be having them joining a kit magazine issues one and two as overpriced items on eBay. I can't believe you just let me get that out and didn't even snigger. <laughs> they were for me, but never mind. Probably we're all in for the club history, aren't we? We're there for kind of iconic 90s shirts worn on the pitch, memories for that. So it's again, like many of the things we talk about here, it's directed towards an audience. I think, you know, the big FIFA crowd, Again, something we're not in. And also, there are things like the Icarus designs are very popular, aren't they? Those sort of innovative shirt designs. And, yeah, it's definitely tailored towards that crowd as as well. I think pick a lot up from the FIFA Ultimate Team crowd, picking those sort of things out. There's a lot of nice design touches in there, and the boxes look great. And I noticed that they come with a few extras inside the boxes as well. There's some fresh prints in there. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Um, yeah, it's a nice 90s mashup. I mean, you know, Tom said his favourite. Mine, unsurprisingly, to anybody who's listened to a second of the pod, is the one that uh, takes inspiration for one of Dortmund's 93 94 shirts. Again, mixed and mashed up with the plaid dress skirt suit that Cher wore in Clueless, and then with some Nirvana. Yeah, legit, that was in Bloom, wasn't it? Yeah. Lithium so, colour. Yeah. If one is Nirvana and BVB inspired, and one is Campos Grunge and Fresh Prince. Grunge and Dortmund oh, inspired. Oh, I thought, oh sorry. Um, what, what's the... Uh, obviously, I know the, the 90s connection with Microsoft, but is there a, sh- uh, a team that influences that shirt, that one? I don't, I don't think so. I think that's just... Blame Bill Gates, if in doubt. Yes, he blame a lot on Twitter, to be fair. Certain corners. For anybody who'd like to get their hands on one of those shirts, we're going to be running a giveaway over the next week, aren't we, Alex? Absolutely, yeah. Details to follow in the next couple of days. Keep an eye on the Twitter. Great stuff. In other news this week, Bari have released a new collaboration shirt with Kappa and L23. L23 being Leo Calicio, who's a local designer. It's an absolutely gorgeous body of work. So um, just for anybody that hasn't seen it, it's a throwback to the mid-90s Kappa sleeves that you saw on the Athletic Bilbao and Barcelona shirts which I find a little bit odd, given that it's Bari playing in Italy and those are from Spain, but um, but awesome features. And within the pattern of the shirt, rather than the emphasis being on the cock, which you normally get with a Bari shirt, the emphasis this time is on octopuses within the print. The octopus being one of the city's main emblems. So uh, it's, it's a nice nice touch to see there. Tell well in Japan, isn't it, that one? I really like it. Some really classic vibes. I like the kind of stripped down, stylized logo. There have been some unfortunate comparisons to the Cornflakes logo, but I think that's a little unfair. I think it's really cool. As you say, they've captured that classic kind of Kappa vibe. I like the sublimated octopi in the home shirt and also this uh, sort of like a Betis, that famous Betis that was released again as a four shirt last year the kind of turquoisey so get that like marine theme in there yeah good collection i mean bari's on the adriatic so it's sort of you know a bit of local feature in there yeah classic vibes local connections what more could you want from a shirt i mean i'll start with what i do like about it i i do like <laughs> is this gonna be short <laughs> no i do like sure it's all good right <laughs> I, I do really like the um the, the sleeve tapering it's a classic look 
I don't think it's hard to get that wrong, really. It, it always looks good. Um, I do like the kind of... Initially, I thought it was Paisley, and that really turned me off because I was like, it looks like the kind of tablecloth or terrible curtains your gran has from the 70s, you know? I just didn't like it. But then when I noticed it was... Well, when I found out it was Octopi, that did raise it slightly, but I'm not a fan, to be honest. And, you know, normally I'm all over anything Italian, and, and I do, I'm a fan of Bari as well, but I just I just can't get on board with this kit. I think it's... So you wouldn't be forking out 100 squid for it, then? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't, no. Well, the whole range, and it was a range, so um, Alex alluded to the turquoise shirt, which was the goalkeeper shirt. They also had a couple of fetching pre-match shirts, a jumper, some bottoms, a baseball cap, a couple of other t-shirts. It was a wide range and all sold out within minutes of it being trip-fed, launched on Friday. So I think we're probably looking at future classics there, gents, in terms of collectability. Uh, The shirt's been worn against Fidelis Andrea, so so let's see if it's a winning winning kit as well. And just the final thing is, for a retro shirt, it is white with red accents, isn't it? Generally, Bari is not very often. I think 9798 or so that they've had a striped shirt. So it seems a weird choice. I have to confess, I don't know the kind of 20s, 30s, if it's an allusion to a really early shirt. But yeah, it's not a common format, is it, for their strip? No, and as I say, going back to the beginning, this is the thing that's really weird for me. It is, it's, it's Kappa and L23 doing this great concept of a shirt, going back to those brilliant spanish shirts you saw in the Liga in the mid 90s but other than the octopus and the cock i didn't see a massive you know, sort of piece to tie it into bari it just seemed a bit off the wall that wraps up this week's news let's go across to our feature if you like tarts or specifically jam tarts this will be right up your street great pleasure to introduce our guest today so we have to admit to being guilty of ignoring football north of the border so far this is our first fan of scottish league shirt grant do you want to introduce yourself yeah sure uh, hi guys yeah uh, as you said I- i'm grant young i live in edinburgh i support heart of midlothian i have done since i was about seven or eight i went to the game with my dad and my uncles and my two cousins it was a saturday ritual and I have been going ever since. In actual fact, I, I still sit with my dad in the Wheatfield stand and he sits with his two friends. And they, my dad's 83 and his two mates are 82. And they've been going to the games since they were at primary seven. So so you can imagine that, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's all good fun. It's a good day out to meet up with loads of people. Well, so I bet your dad's seen some cracking games throughout the years. Perhaps you can tell us a bit more about what he might have seen and a couple, a couple of Hearts fan experiences you've you've had too. Oh yeah, absolutely. My, my dad has had the pleasure of probably seeing the best Hearts team ever in the 50s, where they won, you know, they won the league twice, they won the, the Scottish Cup, they won the League Cup three times, and they had the terrible trio, which was Con, Bald and Wartall, and um, they scored almost, I think, roughly about 800 goals between them. So he has, he's seen the halcyon days of Hearts, and I've probably, I'm lucky enough to see Hearts win three Scottish Cups. Given the time during the 80s, I never thought I'd see that happen. So three Scottish Cups is an absolute bonus. And one of them being the 5-1 victory against uh, our bitter Edinburgh rivals, Hibs, was probably uh, probably <laughs> the highlight of that, to be honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't think many fans can, um, can can claim a 5-1 against the rivals in a cup final as, uh, as memory. That's, that's something special. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, the atmosphere in the city uh, for the week or the month leading up to that was... Uh, 
was pretty tense. Uh, both fans, you know, there a lot to lose, and we were just lucky enough to to come out on top. And never in my never in a month of Sundays was thinking it was going to be five one. I was just an absolute ice on a cake. And <laughs> and luckily, you know, since this is a shirt program, I've luckily got a, an actual shirt from that match as well. So it's treasured. Yeah, I imagine definite sort of star in the collection. see a big array of maroon shirts behind you so yeah talk through how did you get into collecting yeah absolutely so so when I was when I was small I, I loved I always had a collecting bug I think I think men in particular have got a, a thing in their left side of the brain where they collect things and for me uh, the, the first thing I can remember collecting was a uh, cards out of Weetabix packets which were little Doctor Who cards and then it was football stickers and football cards, you know, the tops cards and paninis. And then I always got a programme when I went to the games, and if we got a ticket, I always kept a ticket, and then I would keep press clipping. So you've just got one of these brains that loves collecting things. The way I started collecting shirts was, in 2001, my wife got me a surprise present, which was a, from Christmas time onwards, I got to sponsor a Ricardo Fuller shirt for a half season. Mm-hmm. When I went and collected it at the shop, that was me that was me hooked on shirts and from then she's dreaded that she actually ever bought me that shirt because it's just uh as you guys will probably know that you know it's it, it just escalates and you can it's just an itch you have to scratch isn't it you just have to always look out for things so that's that's how it that's how it happened that's how i started collecting shirts the great thing is you can always blame it on your wife as well whenever she can 100 percent yes she can't complain, yeah, so she can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily my, my wife's quite sympathetic because she's actually She's a season ticket older and she goes with her two aunties and she sits in the opposite stand. So yeah, she she sort of loves the she's got loves the heart's connection as well. So that's it's not too bad. I can get away with things maybe other people potentially couldn't. Yeah, so lucky that way. We're uh, generally replica collectors, uh, the sort of presented yep. on, on on here. But you collect many match worn shirts. Was that something you did from the start, or how did you kind of get into that bug? It's an interesting one. I, I think when I was younger, I would always have replica shirts. So I'd always I'd always buy a shirt uh, or get my parents to buy me a shirt. And then when it, when I started round about 2000, when shirts were more accessible and you could probably certainly get them on auction sites easier than you can now, I just decided, I made a conscious decision I wanted to try and get match shirts. But that didn't mean I also bought replica shirts maybe at the end of the season when they were on sale. So I, had, I, you know, I did have a fair collection of replicas. And then it got to the point where I, I just wanted to focus on match shirts for some reason. And luckily, I probably captured quite a lot of them prior to you know it's really taken off maybe in the last five five years maybe say 75 years mm. uh, a lot of people are, are are buying so i just went that way on match shirts and now it's easier because you can you can focus in on things more you know um, and especially if you're just sort of you know i know a lot of guys collect lots of different shirts and i, and I totally get that but at least i can focus and then i can you know what's like it, it's trying to track things down isn't it that most of it, most of the funds in the chase. Absolutely, it's a joy, isn't it? And then knowing when the postman's going to drop something through the letterbox that you, you know, that's new, it's maybe a bit smelly. So it's <laughs> always good. Yeah, can't be it. Was your first one that Ricardo Fuller shirt? Was that the first match one of many? Absolutely, it was. Yeah, and I've got a terrible confession about that, and it's in the book. I got it. I got it framed from a friend of the family who is a professional framer. And once I took the conscious decision to take shirts out of frames. Because uh, you, you buy a lot of shirts that people have framed. Mm. And 
one of the one of the warnings, and I don't know if you guys, you know, are, are conscious of this, but if, if you don't know how a shirt's been framed and take it out of the frame, sometimes it's absolutely horrific. Yeah. And that's what happened to me with my my first shirt. I took out the frame and it was literally just a sea of masking tape. So I tried to get it off, tried to get it off, washed it, and then stupidly, because I was naive at the time, put it into too hot a wash and it's wrecked. Oh no. My first so my first shirt isn't in the book, and I do allude to it in the book to say I've got a confession to make. You know, this shirt is, it, it, I couldn't put it in the book because it's just, it's <laughs> hanging off in a, in a wall. A hall of shame, really. So there's a, there's, a, there's a warning to anyone. If you're going to get something framed, make sure you know what the framer's going to do to it and he's not going to murder it with masking tape because it just, it's like, a, you know, that horrible painting where some guy painted over a, a masterpiece with their own version and you're like, it's the yeah, same yeah. My shirt, isn't it? You're like, oh God, please don't do that. It's horrible. So yeah, there's my, there's my confession that I it just, uh, yeah, it's terrible. Right of passage, isn't it, for any collector? Having like being being sold a fake is is knackering oh. through the wash. Listen, yeah. we 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 could do another. You could do two hours on fakes, couldn't you? I've been oh, yeah. I've been stung, especially in the early days. I, I've got a few shirts that I can, you think, how on earth did I even think that was a match shirt? But you learn, you know, you learn, and that that's the brilliant thing about Twitter as well. I think there's so many guys out there that are so knowledgeable and are willing to share that knowledge. I just think the community is really good. I know there's always some downsides to it, but on the whole, the, the guys on Twitter are pretty up on what's match and you know, even replicas what are what are fakes. Because there's so many it's so popular now, isn't it? There's so many so many fakes out there. It's it's a bit of you have to tread carefully, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it must be even harder for you with, with the fake spotting as well, because like Alex said, Hearts a club with a, a huge history. But yeah. you've also had like a who's who of manufacturers, which means there's an even yeah. bigger list of tales. Yeah, 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 for. absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, when we'd been talking earlier, I didn't quite realise how many manufacturers we've had, you know. It, I, I was just looking at the list you guys sent me, and you're like, Umbro, Puma, Adidas, Hummel, Reebok, Pony, Asics, Admiral, Bukta. I think the only one we're probably of note that we've not had is is Nike. And that was sort of bandied about when Aberdeen had a, a Nike shirt, but it never happened. And um, I suppose Macron seemed to have captured some of the market, but we've, we've never had them. So, yeah, we've had a whole host. And, and interestingly, I noticed you said about Olympic sports or OS. Now, I, I know the question was, that is, was that in-house? So Hearts have never done an in-house manufacturer kits. Olympic sportswear, I looked them up, and actually they produced a shirt for Northern Ireland in 1999. Right. They also did Rushton and Diamonds for a season, and it, uh, and, they, and they've done Leighton Orient. And then I had, a, I had a, a further look at this, and actually the Northern Ireland goalkeeper template is the same as one of the templates that Hearts won. So, so thanks for prompting that. I, I didn't do much in research on Olympic sports, but they, they've obviously knocked out a few shirts for a few clubs, which I wasn't that aware of. So, yeah, thanks. I've learned a few things today because of that. <laughs> And, and is there a kind of, you know, amongst Hearts fans, is there a particular mm. area that's looked upon fondly, I, I suppose, either for the historical side or otherwise the sort of shirts that are very popular and, and people are keen to get? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. So one of, the, one of the most popular ones, and it's on the front of the book, actually, is the late 70s, early 80s Umbro double diamond with a, the wing collar. That, that's really popular and even to get them in replica is really, really hard now. That they hardly ever come up, and when they do, they, they command quite a high price. I was luckily enough to get a, a match worn shirt about four years ago from a good friend who was friends with a player and knew knew that I collected. So that's really popular. And then you've got, you know, I think you guys had mentioned the Pony shirts and Asics shirts. Now Pony are Pony's a bizarre company because two or three seasons that they brought out Hearts, they, they were just 
they were just spectacularly weird and good and bad and all those things mixed together. So a lot of Hearts fans love the pony shirts and A6 shirts as well. That they're very popular as well as Bukta. So I think I think maybe it depends on your age. I, I like Bukta because that's probably when I was 16, 17, and I, I just remember all the great players that wore it. But maybe age-wise, you, you either go right back the way to the 70s or just depends what you like. But, yeah, Pony and Asics are probably pretty popular, I think. On the flip side yeah. to that, is there a particular shirt or set of shirts that are, are really hated? You know, like a terrible colourway or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, give me two seconds and I'll show you one that I cannot stand. Now, this shirt... Is probably uh, this is probably the home shirt that I dislike the most. So what year uh, is that? Because it, it, it to, to the blind eye, someone like me, I'll explain it to people. It looks yeah. like kind of the the standard heart shirt that you you would see, you know, just maybe with an yeah. extra collar, extra big collar. Yeah, it's uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and for some reason, hearts fans don't like it at all. I, I, I'm not so keen on it. Is yeah. it the white patches or? Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's a bit too much white in it, I think. It's just it's just not a popular shirt because I think most Hearts fans really like a, a dark maroon. And right. for some reason, there's some shades of maroon that just, if they're too light, Hearts fans are, are on that right away. So luckily, I think, over the last five or six seasons, most of them have been sort of the, the dark colour that you really want. There was another one where it's a sort of, it was a take on Ajax and it's not a great shirt either. So they're probably the, the two least favourite I can remember in recent times. When I introduced myself to Grant earlier, I said, oh, I haven't got a heart shirt, but I'm wearing a, a maroon jumper in homage. Yeah. But I very nearly said burgundy, but I was hesitant about what colour to say because I didn't <laughs> want to make a terrible faux pas. But what, so the colour is actually maroon, is that right? Absolutely maroon, yeah. Maroon or maroon, depending on where you come from. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. So, yeah, it, it always is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's pretty close to... It's probably, it's probably pretty close to West Ham, Claret, you know. Mm-hmm. And Man, Man City and Arsenal actually bring out some cracking away shirts that are very close to a maroon colour so I, I'm, a, I'm a, my English team's Arsenal although I've only been to see them once and and I, and I do like the when Man City produce a sort of maroony burgundy clarity coloured away shirt as well they're always look a bit classy yeah as long as it's not green we're okay <laughs> <laughs> and, and for, for those of us you know being again replica collectors it's always amazing the sort of mm-hmm. networks you've got to build up to get hold of match worn so yeah where, where do you get yours how do you so as I said, from 2001, I, spon- I sponsored a player. So probably I sponsored two players a season. So at least from then, I know I've gone, I'm going to have two a season that are bang on. I have built up a lot of connections just through just through contacts at the club, through other collectors, through initially through Facebook, and even when you make deals on eBay, you know that it's it's pretty obvious that it's hearts, it's other hearts fans that are selling you stuff. So, just built a connection over the years, and even on Twitter over the last five or six years, I've really I've, well, I've still got good friends that are Rangers supporters, Celtic supporters, Spurs supporters, Man City supporters. All those all those four, you know, at least those four connections have got me about 10 match shirts so so it's just great it's just you just you know you just build up and build up so it's all different ways I mean I I, I don't know what you're like but for match worn shirts I've, I've done many a deal outside a McDonald's or a, <laughs> or a or a Starbucks or a you know or a garage where you know you, you're handing over money and you're looking at a plastic bag I always I always just hope that I'm not getting recorded because who knows what kind of deal that. I've been <laughs> in some strange strange gum tree deals where you know and, and, and Gumtree's amazing because you know there'll be something up saying I think I've got a match shirt and then the guy will come along with 
a poly bag full of stuff and your your eyes are popping out and you're not you're trying not to play your cards too close to your chest there you're like oh hey, hey, I'll, I'll buy that i'll buy that and you're like Woo-hoo! <laughs> off you go <laughs> really, I've, I've, done, I've just done some amazing deals that are both scary funny and, and i've been i've been sucking as we talked about earlier i've been suckered into some fake deals as well yeah so it's all i'm sure yeah. you must have an excellent poker face like you say you go oh, it's, it's worth <laughs> nothing mate that bag is worth absolutely nothing yeah, I, I try not to. I mean, I, I think I think you always try and give people a, a decent deal. I, I feel a bit bad if I was taking away a shirt that was maybe worth X amount. You're only giving a five or so. I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm I'm pretty honest, but yeah, I've, I've had some really good deals though. So, in terms of your collection, do you have yeah. any favourites? Could we could we narrow you down to like a top three of of your particular collection? Yeah, you probably could. So, number one, I've got when Hearts won the cup in '98. It was really special for a lot of Hearts fans because they, 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 you know, they hadn't won the cut the Scottish Cup for fifty odd years, and you know we had been so close so many times, semi-finals, finals, nearly winning the league, and and just being let down at the last minute. So when we won the cup in '98, it was incredible. And luckily enough, about ten or fifteen years later, I managed to get when when Hearts were in trouble, some of the players, you know, they were going through admin, they were going through difficulties. A lot of ex-players, a lot of people that were connected to the club looked out stuff that they had and they decided to auction it off luckily I got uh, Stefan Adam uh, his Scottish Cup final top and he scored the winner against Rangers in 98 so that's that's number one yeah and look and and I've actually built up a you know I'm not saying I'm big friends with Stefan but I've actually I I speak to him through social media and Mm. um, you know he's actually written the the introduction for the book so sort of built up a a, you know a a little relationship woman he's an absolutely great guy so I managed to get that shot Number two would be the 59-60 League Cup final shirt that was worn by Alex Young and when they won 2-1 against Third Larnock. Again, he donated that. Somebody bought it. And then I bought that off that person about three or four years ago. And that's that's an absolutely amazing shirt. So that's that's Candy Strip, Bukta. Just incredible shirt. You know, the age of it, it's just, it's just superb. I mean, yeah. these genuine like museum pieces almost, aren't they? They're oh, absolutely. Moments yeah, yeah. of pub history. Hundred percent, yeah. And I've, you know, I've also I've reached out to the club, and if they, if they ever wanted to, you know, do a shirt display or or put because we have got a museum, and they wanted to, you know, loan it in the museum, I would, I would definitely do that without without any sort of hesitation. The third shirt is probably it's a toss up. It changes depending on on how I'm feeling actually. But I've got a I've got a match prepared shirt from 2012 Cup Final, which was Danny Granger's. And, and again, just because you beat your rivals 5-1, that's probably up there as well. So, yeah, pretty good pretty good collection of cup shirts, I must admit. So, yeah, those those three are pretty special and are, are all in the book as well. I love how you got the 5-1 in twice in this, <laughs> in this interview. <laughs> well, a, a Hibs fan can call. You can get a Hibs fan on and they can give you the whatever, whatever they've done. Uh-huh. I can't remember um, off the top of my head. So, so you mentioned though that you've sort of talked about your passion now in a, a book. So you've moved on to doing that. Um, so what was the inspiration behind doing that? So that was it. It was actually a lockdown. I, I bet I thought during lockdown. I used to go walks with one of my good mates who uh, has moved down to London, but he was a season to go to Hearts. And we used to walk around and, you know, he, he liked shirts and he was saying, you know what, you, you know, 
you've got all these shirts. What you, you should you should be trying to showcase them or tell somebody about them. And I was like, maybe I could write a book. And, you know, we're walking and laughing. Ha ha ha. So so got back home and I think I was thinking maybe there is something in this, you know. So decided to sort of try and structure it and and think what could I do. So fifty one shirts. It was the tenth anniversary of Hearts winning the cup this May. And I think I was thinking, well, why don't why don't I put something together like a coffee table book? You know, I'd, I'd seen like books like that. You'll, you'll have seen them. You know, the, the the Spurs shirt and the Arsenal shirt, absolutely superb books. But a lot of time and a lot of research, obviously, you know, it takes a lot of time, five years maybe, to, to get all that together. And I was thinking, I, I can't invest that time. So what could I do? And I was thinking, why why don't I why don't I take it from a perspective of fifty one shirts? You know, it, it's the anniversary of the five one. I'll do that. Um, and then put a story behind each shirt, you know, whether it's a, a particular story about a game that the shirt was worn in or the season. And, and that's what I did. So I structured it all and then left it for for a few months when, once I'd done a few chapters. And, you know, and then I was prompted by one of my, my mate again and say, well, what have you done about that? I said, well, I've not done anything, really, being honest. He said, well, what, what are you going to do? So went home, went home that night. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll go online and see what sports publishers are out there. Sent, sent sort of samples. You know, you can fill online all the things, you know, what's your passion, what you're doing, why are you doing this, so all, all the different questions, answered them all. And I sent it away to five different sports book publishers, thinking nothing would come of it at all. Six days later, I get a, I got a, an email from Pitch Publishing saying, this is a good idea. In actual fact, we're just bringing out a Leeds United book, so your your timing might be pretty good here. And I got the Leeds United book and thought it was it was pretty good. And then it, it just it, it just rolled from there, you know. So just lucky, just timing, and and maybe just a a good idea along with that, because you guys will know better than me that the interest in shirts, replica shirts, match shirts, you know, whatever whatever kind of shirts is huge at the moment. And mm-hmm. I think I've just timed it right. So. Yeah, it was just lucky, and it, it's been such a it's been such a really good experience, you know. And getting to showcase your shirts, and for me, the book's all about not. I know a book should have lots of words, right? But it, it's more about the pictures. So I'm hoping when I've not seen it yet because it's away to the publishers, and I'll maybe get a, you know maybe get the finished article in about a month's time. But what I'm hoping is it's got some sort of coffee table effect, you know, coffee table book mm-hmm. that's got lovely pictures, a bit like a mixture between the Arsenal shirt and a bit maybe more pictures. So we'll see what it looks like. It's really exciting. I never thought, I never ever thought of my in, in any capacity that I would ever write a book. So it's just been an absolute bonus. And Hearts have been really good in terms of they've got to stock it in the club. We've got hopefully, fingers crossed, going to have a book launch at the club. So so all looks really really exciting. Just brilliant. I mean, it looks great. From I've just I've seen the preview of it on Amazon, which I believe yeah. you can also pre-order from there at the moment. Absolutely. Um, can you give us perhaps a little sneak peek? of maybe your favourite story, your favourite snippet from the book? Yeah, I mean, I, th- th- there's quite a few things in there. Probably the, the front cover is about a, a Willie Gibson shirt. So Willie was about in the you know mid-70s to early 80s. He scored a lot of goals for Hearts, but for some reason, a lot of the support just didn't take to him too much or... You know, I always think he was hard done by because he scored over 100 goals for the club. And when I'd done a bit of research on him, there's there some great stories about Willie. There was one game on, now I might be wrong, but it was either Christmas Eve or Hugmany. And the, the the league sponsors were saying if, if a player scored a hat-trick, they got uh, 12 bottles of whiskey. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> on, on, on Hugmany, I think it was, 
Uh, Drew Busby and Willie Gibson both scored hat tricks, so they, were, they, they made the whole team happy because they, they they left our against our growth at Gayfield, which would be probably the coldest ground in Scotland. They went away with twenty four bottles of whiskey, so that, that that was a good story. Yeah, so so there's lots of different, you know, the books made up lots of lots of different snippets. So and there's some poignant stuff in there because there's there's reference to um, uh, Mary Lucas, who sadly was you know was the cup winning captain and, and sadly passed away after a battle with MND. So you know there's there's a there's a good flavour of happy, sad, funny. Yeah, so hopefully something for everyone really. And then just a bit about when that's going to be available then and how people can pre-order it. Absolutely, it is available on the 16th of May. So physically available on the 16th of May and people can pre-order it now on Amazon and I think WH Smith as well so yeah you can you can go out and have a look if you like it some good lovely kits in there great well it's been fantastic to meet you Grant it's an amazing collection yeah. um, always for us as replica collectors that you know these match forms are something yeah pretty incredible and um, yeah. the book sounds great and we look forward to reading it in May when it's out no brilliant no thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure always good to talk shorts great we might have to have you on again We'll, we'll do a we'll do a head to head with a hips fan. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Shirt off. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, guys. In a new feature this week, we're going to welcome back last week's guest, Steve Hooper from Swindon Town, as we hear confessions of a kit man. Confessions. Confessions of a Kit Man. Confessions of a Kit Man. So confession number one is all about Owen Doyle and his squad number. So when he first joins the club, uh, him and the manager come into the kit room uh, to figure out which number he's going to take. It's around we had 28 available. So he went, right, OK, I'll have 28, and that's how many goals I'll score. And then when I get to 28, I'll go on the radio, on the TV, wherever I'm interviewed... And I'll tell this story about how I've got number 28 and I've scored 28 goals. He got to 25 goals and the season was cancelled because of COVID. So the story never gets told. We win the league as champions. It's all good, but that story stayed as something that would never be said to anybody because it never got to be concluded. With no further ado, let's move on to room 101. Hey up guys, it's Matt, shirt by shirt here. I'd like to put the early leaks of next season's shirts during the current season in room 101. This is because we should enjoy what we have currently. There are still more twists, turns and stories to be had in our current shirts. And we'll have time to enjoy next season's shirts. Well, next season. So gentlemen, what do you think? Not for me, I'm afraid. We get the new shirt released in September. In all honesty, are we still excited by the new shirt by February, March? I feel like we're not disrupting, destroying any kind of our feelings for it. So by the time it gets around to February, I'm excited to see what United are doing for the next season. So I'm, I'm for the leaks. Really? Yeah. I'm kind of on the side of Alex here. I think, you know, that those days of mystery in football is, is, is long gone. Long gone are those days where you can turn up and, and switch on the World Cup and see a fullback you've never heard of from South America. We all know everything these days. And like Alex said, you almost look forward to the leaks because you, you get a bit weary of the current ones, especially if you've had a shocker like some of our clubs have had. And also, I, I think it may even be a positive in that it, 
stops that hype and people buying unnecessarily when things are just dropped all of a sudden, like we see with these limited releases and they get hoovered up and then they all end up in the sales bin or on eBay a few weeks later. So I think, yeah, it might might uh, counteract that a little bit, possibly. And just add as a final point, we've seen what Borussia Dortmund and fan power can do to a shirt design when they've been given the Puma third and there's such outcry that this thing has been changed at least twice. So maybe this is inspiration that if we end up with terrible designs, don't be content with it. You know, this is the time to sort of make your voice be heard and maybe we get some better shirts next season. I hear what you're saying, but when you get to my age, you don't look forward to leaks. Um, They become more and more regular. (laughs) And especially when you're wearing beige trousers, uh, it can be a bit embarrassing. But on a slightly more serious note, if we didn't have the leaks, we wouldn't have the constant recycled content appearing on our Twitter feed all day with every account thinking they're breaking the news to us. That is true, but we might also be out of a podcast. (laughs) Didn't think about that. That's very true. (laughs) We don't really do leaks, do we? I think we kind of wait for everything to be, yeah, out there and in the open. I guess it's like, do you remember back in the day when we used to have CFAX and you used to go on the gossip column to find out about all the potential transfers? I guess that as well, like there's a little bit of excitement with it. Like, I mean, I was an absolute whore for the, the CFAX gossip page. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of like the speculation a little bit. I, I look forward to the to him coming out. And then, like Alex said, it's like, is it going to be this or is it going to be slightly different? I mean, I'm hoping they're going to be very different because the, the current Chelsea leak is absolutely awful. It has like a SpongeBob collar on it, which is diabolical, but... Nike haven't got a good track record with Chelsea. Well, as one of our, or many of our future guests that we've already interviewed will be telling you, they do release false shirts on purpose to put people off the scent. Unfortunately, that wasn't true about the Puma third templates. They did actually come out. (laughs) (laughs) The joke gone horribly wrong. Well, we've committed to it now. (laughs) He had to get that in, didn't he? He had to. (laughs) So we're going to take a vote. I am going to go with allowing that into Room 101. Not for me, I'm afraid. No, you need that hope, that eternal hope that United are going to re-release the Newton Heath kit. It's all that keeps me going through United's season on the pitch. I, I can take the point and I can see how it is irritating to some people, but it doesn't bother me personally. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm against putting it in, in Room 101. Matt, I'm sorry, I did try, did my best. So that concludes episode 13 of the Kitmap podcast. Thank you very much for joining us again. Your feedback is hugely appreciated. This is a week where we've consolidated and held our position in the UK's top 100 football-related podcasts. So please do continue to give your feedback. Please do leave a comment if you could and subscribe wherever you receive your pods from. We do appreciate it.